And we are live. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Grounded, my live stream podcast. We're here with Stephanie. Wanted to say hi. hi. Uh, <laughs> we're here with Kyle Connor. Thank you so much to Kyle for joining us today to talk about Cybertruck uh, charging, whatever kind of the live audience wants to talk about. That's the direction we're going. Um, so thank you, Kyle. Kyle, for joining us. Oh, we're working on that. All right, that's Sorry, my addiction. I had a I had a double audio stream going on there, but we're all good. Hello, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Um, not the first time we've done collaborations. You've been on our podcast. You've been on our YouTube channels. I was just in your recent video as a cameo, and yes. so now we're doing a, a podcast on the Dirty Tesla YouTube channel. So I'm pumped about it. All right, great. Yeah, this is going to be really fun. So for everybody watching or listening in the future, it is uh, December 4th, 2023. And just so y'all know, I am on Starlink, which you can kind of see my stats up over here. So if we have a little weirdness, it's probably because of Starlink. Um, but it's usually pretty solid unless it's raining and it's not raining. So we should be good. Uh, so Kyle, uh, we just went to, we just got back. I mean, we weren't together, but we were both at the Cybertruck delivery event. We learned a lot about Cybertruck, including price, specs. Things are still coming out. Um, I think if you're really paying attention, you know most of it. But Tesla is now releasing new media about all the features of the Cybertruck, kind of educating people as as deliveries come up. Um, and there's just so much to talk about. And I had a few things for you. And I have uh, some slides and everything with pictures of these different things uh, for us to talk about. Let me make sure this is actually working. No, of course it's not. I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're good. See ya. Um, so first of all, how about you give me your overall thoughts as people come in here and start getting their questions ready um, about the event and Cybertruck, what you were impressed by, or maybe what you were like, uh, no, that was, that was no good. Well, that is, I could talk for six hours on this topic and um, wow. Well, you know, I didn't know totally what to expect going into the Cybertruck event. So we produced a video, um, which actually is really kind of cool that we did that. And we went back and looked at it where um, Colton, who runs the Outspec Detailing Channel, and I flew into Austin on two separate flights. I came from Ohio. He came from Denver. Um, and uh, I don't live in Ohio. I live in Denver, but I happen to be there. And we basically like filmed our predictions on the drive to the Gigafactory. And we're like, here's what we think it'll be. And here's what we're expecting from the event. And we were like totally spot on, which I was obviously I think that was kind of cool. So I was pleased with that. But um, you know, the 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 presentation, the factory. Well, let's start with the factory tour. That entrance to Gigafactory Texas is epic. That is so cool. You walk in, you got these huge lighted, you know, sort of overhead uh situations. You got this almost infinity pool looking thing, and it was just a beautiful building walking in and you know, the excitement, the hype, the the Tesla employees yelling, screaming, having a good time, clapping their hands, you know, like there was a really, um, honestly, a good energy that you don't get going to other vehicle launches. Now, I'm, uh, of course, in the business of reviewing cars. So I go to vehicle launches, you know, all over the place. So I've been to launches for brands in Europe and, of course, here in the U.S., and they're normally pretty mellow and everyone kind of knows what's coming by the time we get to the presentation. But with this, it was a giant question. So as we're walking through the factory, we go through and we're learning about bits of the truck as we're walking down the factory line. And these things are things we've never even thought of, like right. the yep. rear induction motor. I didn't know it was going to have an induction motor in the back of the tri-motor system. What's up with that? And I just did a whole nerd fest podcast on that situation. 
and you know how the power frunk operates with the dual powered struts and and then you're meeting the people who actually worked on it who can like share what they've been wanting to show the world for so long and i i mean we were getting pushed through the factory as fast as possible uh, because we just got hung up in many conversations with the employees along the way talking about each part of the truck and it was just amazing and then the presentation came and that i think was probably the worst part of the whole event and that's what most people had the impression of impression of from the you know sort of outside looking in was holy smokes elon is like not on point the presentations didn't share price or range or what spec the range was on in terms of tire uh and and what drive cycle they used and like then they're like drag raced a 911 that they said they bought at a dealer but it had euro side markers so they like Uh didn't buy it at a dealer because (laughs) that had an aftermarket modification. And so we were just like, what, what was all of that? And then and the, the baseball, you know, the, did you cringe at the baseball? Yeah, the baseball. I didn't oh. see the baseball. I didn't know what happened. We were so okay. far in the back that I was just oh. like, did they, I thought they broke the glass because everyone was kind of like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. that was just that. So, you know, ignoring the presentation, once we learned about the truck, I was like <clears throat> going on the website, I was like, damn, this is good. Look at, you know, other vehicles in the category, look at some of the unique features this offers, specifically drive by or steer by wire. Um, And of course, there's some other cool engineering stuff going on here. The truck looks like nothing else on the road. That's great for some people. It's terrible for others. But I love unique, interesting, weird, quirky cars, and it doesn't get any weirder or more interesting than this. Right. And so I was just like, hell yeah, this thing freaking rocks. And then I started talking to the content creators. And everyone was like on the verge of tears. People were so upset. And I'm like, I don't understand. This is great. This is what you've been waiting for. And they're like, well, we were waiting for 500 miles and all this stuff. But I'm like, that was, you got it. You can't trust Tesla on this stuff. Like they're, this is not, there's, you know, you could not have thought that was going to be the case. And, and honestly, I think a lot of them did. So I think now that we're past that initial sort of hit, um, I'm starting to see the comments on our videos and just briefly browsing on Twitter. I'm starting to see like some more positive comments, which is what I would have expected all along from the like hardcore Tesla faithful. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Cause when you compare, I think, you know, to the 2019 specs, I think everybody got everything in their head, like the max spec of everything stuck in their head. So 500 miles and uh, 60 grand and you know, all this stuff. And then it's like, Oh wait, to get the, the tri, you know, and tri motor to get the tri motor, it's a hundred grand, and then it, wait, it's now five hundred miles and all this stuff. And I, I kind of initially had the like awe at the lack of five hundred miles uh, because I really want all the mileage I can get winter driving in Michigan. I don't, I don't tow, but I haul and I definitely do a ton of driving, so I want all the range. Um, but the price, uh, I was we talked about this for a second. I mean, I was good with that because I didn't believe any of the 2019 stuff, at least for you know the past year or year and a half, because I was looking at Model X and I was like, they're not gonna have a tri-motor cyber truck for like almost half the price of a you know, or 40% less than a Model X. It makes no sense. Um, so I had this 79, you know, 999. That was what I kept saying. I didn't say 79990, <laughs> I said 79999. Because of course they want the ta- they want all the money they can get, then they can, uh, you know, do the tax credit. It's a new vehicle; it's hard to, to um, for them to make, at least for now. Uh, and even the the whole like exoskeleton thing, it's not as there as they initially said. They were like, "Oh, we're going to take a piece of metal and fold it up, and there's your truck." And for a while, we've known that's not you know they didn't get to to that level. 
as whatever they but were I hoping. Like, yeah. So, so there's two ways to look at the truck, which is if you look at what they said in 2019 to what they delivered today, I totally agree. It's such a letdown from that perspective. Um, if you pretend like Tesla doesn't always tell you the truth and you are a mistrusting person, which is me, <laughs> then I would be like, you know, and Same I've here. always said this, not just about Tesla, but other car companies, of course, you know, uh, misquote things or share things uh, over exaggeratingly at the start thinking right. they can do it. Um, this is probably a pretty big spread of what they promised versus delivered. But, um, you know, I always say in the car reviewing business, you know, I don't comment on a car or I don't really talk about a car until it's pretty much right on the series production track. And that is basically where we are with Cybertruck. They've been delivered. We can talk about them. And now you're going to see a huge wave of content from my side now that we know what's actually been delivered to people. And then, so that's the first way to look at it, which is, yeah, okay, they totally missed. And then um, if you look at, if you just ignore everything they said and look at what they're launching today <clears throat> for the price, it's very in line on the accelerations insane the actual like truck styling is wild the uh steer by wire the software the charging performance all seems a step ahead of everything out there and keep in mind it's got a relatively small battery pack which helps keep the weight less than any of the current electric pickup trucks on the market except maybe lightning i think it might be lighter than lightning i gotta refresh my memory on that but um, it just seems like they've built themselves one hell of a cool car that's so unique from a driving experience standpoint. And I totally agree. I wish it had more range. And I think we should talk about this range extender idea. Um, right, and I want to urge urge people to not go down the same path as 2019, which is, you know, until you can buy the range extender and we know exactly what it is, just pretend it doesn't exist. And if it does come some uh, point, then great. But don't make a buying decision off of this future range extender. I think Tesla's, you know, screwed us over so much. Um, that's just my impression. What do you think? Well, so you're right. That's I w I'm already excited about the range extender. So thank you for saying that, for bringing me back down. Because you're totally right. And, uh, you know, I, I think about this with any company. I just don't trust anything they say. And I think that's, a, a you know, has helped me be excited for Cybertruck because, okay, cool. That's what you want. But we'll see what you actually deliver. So range extender, you know, I'm going to defer a lot of this to you, but my initial thoughts were, whoa, Google, I'm not talking to you. Uh, my initial thoughts were, hey, what a great idea. I think this is a really good idea. Let's say it, you know, materializes because if people need and want this range, then they can pay for it, but they don't have to overpay for a big, heavy, expensive truck when they only drive a little bit or don't tow a lot or something. But then I start thinking about it and I'm like, well, how are they going to like pump all this power through there? Because you, you can't just, you know, plug it into the NEMA 1450 because then you only got, you know, 11 kilowatts or nine kilowatts or whatever. Um, this thing, if you want to be able to supercharge with this, has to be able to take 250, maybe one day 350 kilowatts. It has to be able to take, you know, what is it, 70, 80, 90 kilowatts for regen. So I'm kind of like wondering how they're going to get this installed into the car, connected in a way where it's basically all one battery pack again, not two separate things going on or does this thing charge slow or i i don't know so my overall thoughts about to the idea it's very exciting i love the idea i want it i want 470 miles of range i realize many days i don't need that much but just the few times i do it's worth it for me because even in my model y that's 326 miles yeah right um i drove like 160 the other day like just driving around town 
And I went from 93%. I got home with 10%. So I bought all that range for those days. I didn't have a supercharger on that route. So I'm curious what you think. I mean, obviously you're very um, knowledgeable about all the charging and, and, and batteries and all of this. How do you think they're going to even like get this connected to the truck? Well, I have like an hour long YouTube video going live on covering this entire topic. Okay. Everybody um, go subscribe. Don't on which channel? Cause you got it'll like be on channels. out of spec reviews, but every other okay. cyber truck thing is, will be on out of spec podcast. Okay. Um, the, okay. Two main, let's just start right at the beginning before we get in the weeds of is this, you know, what, what's it actually going to do for the truck? Let's just talk about the logistics of having this installed. Okay. So you, you buy a cyber truck, you, you're driving the cyber truck. You need to get this battery pack installed. This is not something you can pick up. This is something between 40 and 50 kilowatt hours. That's, you know, four feet wide and two feet long or three feet deep. And it's going to require a forklift or some machine to physically move it. Because if it's 40 to 50 kilowatt hours, it's going to weigh with the power electronics that we know it's going to have to have inside and, and some sort of cooling mechanism. All these things are unknowns. It's going to have to weigh a thousand pounds let's just say that's my guess of the weight somewhere plus or minus okay so then you're going to be asking already taxed tesla service i don't want to make this whole cybertruck video negative because i'm super into the cybertruck this is like the part i'm not sold on Um, so then you're going to sold you're going to you know tax already completely busy tesla service stations to handle the incoming shipments of these storing them scheduling appointments installing them in the trucks and then it's not like you're going to take it out anytime soon because it's not like the Tesla service center is going to store these things. They have no room. So how do you get it out of your truck if you don't want to use it? Well, you can't unless you have a forklift at home. So it, once it's in your truck, it's pretty much in your truck unless you're you know, a, a DIY or something that has some machinery around your house. Um, this is staying in the truck. Um, and then you talk about how is it going to wire up to the battery pack? These are just my questions. I don't know how they're going to do it. The the first thing that comes to mind is the Cybertruck main high voltage battery pack is split into four roughly 200 volt nominal uh, bricks, if you will. And they are wired in series to generally equal around 800 volts. Now, when we say 800 volts, we don't know if the truck is 690 or 930. Um, it could be anywhere and it will voltage is squishy as you, as the truck is dead. It will have lower voltage as it full charges. It'll have higher voltage. So then you bring your Cybertruck. Let's say you brought it to the service center and it's at 10%. It's nice and low. Well, the battery pack they ship to you is at 90%, let's just say. How are you going to balance both of those packs uh, to match? Because if you have it directly wired into the high-voltage system, now it actually has to follow the entire charge and discharge curve of the entire uh, high-voltage system. And if you install this when your truck has aged over time, uh, you know, degradation will happen. They'll become out of balance. There has to be balancing techniques and all of these things to integrate a new portion of an old battery, which is doable, but it's not as easy. What I think they're going to probably do is have a DC to DC booster or converter where this extra battery pack may even be LFP. It may not be the same cell factor. It may not be the form same uh, form factor. And my guess is it, my guess is it should be LFP. If it's just used as an extender, keep it full all the time and then just engage it when you need it. Could be one operating strategy. The other could be it just follows the same discharge curve of the pack. It just takes longer to discharge because you have more usable energy. Um, and then it's like, okay, if you have a DC to DC, there's some losses there, but that makes the most sense. But then it also means that 
you know, at least from the supercharging standpoint, this probably won't fast charge with the truck. Yeah, what would be your max charge rate if that's the strategy? Well, there's no theoretical maximum you can put on a huge DC to DC, but then it comes down to cost for time of, 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 you know, the amount of time it needs to charge because it's not like that's going to need to take 350 kilowatts or 250 kilowatts. That just has to take a portion of what's going to the entire system. So it might have a 50 kilowatt DC to DC uh, or something like this. What's interesting is there have been range extenders before, and the most common one is the BMW i3. And that was a range extender with a combustion engine, a little scooter motor. And that worked in the case where when the high voltage battery got down to 6% state of charge without some coding, and and this is just for the US market cars, when it got down to 6% state of charge, it would fire up the little two-cylinder combustion engine and it would just run it flat out and it would just go Wah! as hard as it could go. Heard the whole it. Time. Yeah. And if you go up a mountain, like what would happen here in Colorado very often, again, you only have 6% buffer and that thing's only outputting 20 or 15 or 20 kilowatts continuous. Well, you end up burning through your buffer, you derate, and then eventually you only have, you know, whatever, tw- 20 kilowatts of power to move the thing along oh my gosh. and you get stuck. So I'm not sure what the operational strategy of this will be. Um, but it's going to be, I mean, there's so many hurdles, even from a cooling perspective, is it going to be tied into the main truck's cooling system? Someone said they looked like they were cooling ports on the top of the PEM, which is the power electronics module that this sits over. Um, but then also like you have air in the system whenever you connect to, so you got to bleed the system every time and then it becomes a huge install. I don't know. I think there's so many, like this is such the most un-Tesla thing I've ever heard of. Because Tesla's always been about keeping things simple and making them work better, truly, right. than any other car. And now we're just coming into, I don't know, like, this just feels wrong. This doesn't, this is not a good approach. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, maybe it's a cushion to, well, and, and it, you know, at this point, I feel like now the whole Cybertruck is designed around this pack. It's not like they can now just change the size of the pack because they do the whole, you know, packs part of the body thing. And I think I saw a comment around here somewhere. I, I think I misplaced it, but um, I agree with them in that I think a lot of what we're seeing here is the 4680s have just not achieved what Tesla had hoped they would by this time. And uh, I want to go back to battery day. I don't know if you've done this yet. And I want to see what they, because they, you know, they had plans. They said, by this time, these cells are going to hold this much. They're going to be this this much more energy dense, et cetera, et cetera. Because if, you know, the ener- energy density of these 4680s, you know, this is crazy, but if they doubled, right? Now, you all of a sudden, in the exact same size, you have a 680 mile <laughs> Cybertruck, you know, of course, they're not going to double, but just think about it that way. So if they can get the, the energy density of those cells to where they want, you know, then eventually we'll creep up there maybe. And we've I, seen I that. I think range is probably like not a huge deal once people start using them. I mean, in your impression, I know you're a big range guy. So yeah. do you think the difference between 340 miles and 470 miles or 440, whatever it is rated at, is that going to make a big impact for a lot of people? Uh, no, not a lot of people. I think it can really matter to the right people. And that's why I wanted that as one of the options <laughs> because I want that. And I mean, it helps in so many capacities of when you hit your peak charge rate and you can sit there for so long. And if you are on shorter trips and you need to supercharge, now you can only do it for five or 10 minutes instead of 20 or 25, right? Because you can sit at that higher charge rate, just stay at the bottom of your battery. Now you have 
250 miles to play with at the bottom of your battery, right? Instead of that being 80% of your battery. And then, of course, if we're talking pickup and, and people using it like a pickup, I don't tow, but if people want to tow, the range is going to be kind of crappy, <laughs> um, you know, as you just experienced with the Rivian. And I did, I did watch uh, most of that podcast tonight. I'm, I'm on my way home. Um, I know you're having those charging problems, um, but it it's a truck. And so I go back and forth on this because it seems like some people are finding things that the Cybertruck is not good at and really picking on those. And in my head, I'm kind of like, then pick another vehicle. Like the, not every vehicle is perfect at everything. Right. Um, but for the truck things, towing, putting stuff in the bed, which now if you get the range extender, you know, you're losing some of your bed. I do want it to be good at those things, even though personally I won't utilize them that often. But the whole reason for me to buy this is, well, number one, I love the toughness of it um, and kind of the terrain I take it in. But number two, I want that utility available to me at all times, even if I, you know, use it rarely. I think the idea of the battery pack range extender sounds really good initially, especially if it's LFP and I can just mm. leave it at a hundred percent and then deploy it when needed. To me, that seems like the best solution uh, through a DC to DC to just charge the high voltage battery pack. But uh, the, the likeliness of this coming out is seemingly a lot from my impression. I, I'm never one to really doubt anything they say because Tesla has done some majorly incredible things over the years and is pushing the industry along. No question. But um, if there was an accessory for me to pick and say, that's probably the least likely to make it to market, it would be this one. Um, so <clears throat> I don't know what to expect here. And and honestly, if it is a DC to DC and it's just a port that it's being plugged in into the truck, I'm just pure speculation mode, which is very yeah, – sure. I'm, I'm out of my normal operating range here. But uh, can I plug a diesel generator into it and just have unlimited range at that point if it's just an electrical connection? Um, because then that actually works pretty well for me. I love the idea of a diesel electric, you know, like a train setup. And just coming back from 1,500 miles of towing with an electric truck, I'm not sure I want to do that again anytime soon. That really sucked. Right? It really, and I'm not sure the Cybertruck would be all that much better than what I experienced with the Rivian. From a thermal management standpoint, I'm expecting it, but yeah, not sure. So I don't know if we should spend too much time on this sure. extended we battery because it's just, it's hard to know what it is. Yeah, I mean, you started this conversation off with, now we know Cybertruck, we can talk about it. We immediately jumped to the thing we know nothing about. <laughs> but <laughs> sure, that's okay. Yeah, no, and it, it's funny because, I mean, I'm all about speculation and just kind of guessing, you know, especially based off of past uh, things that we know from the company. But you made a, a great point that I didn't really think about is Tesla really is all about, like, simplifying everything so that they can just churn stuff out. And this is, like you said, the exact opposite of that. Um, but, all right, um, let me... Uh, find one of these lots, lots of questions. So I pulled up, um, lots of this. So, so for you, uh, can you talk about the overall size and specs for an urban dweller? I see a lot of people concerned still about size. I mean, it's a normal truck size, I think, but yep. Go, go drive an F-150, go rent one from Hertz or enterprise and see how that feels. It should be, you know, pretty much near as makes no difference in every dimension, to a you know regular cab, regular cab. I, I'm sorry, a, a, a quad cab, regular bed F-150, and they're normal. Everyone drives F-150s, um, mm -hmm. and of course, I have a jaded view living in Colorado where we have space. But you know, we have Denver, Fort Collins still has tiny parking spaces. I drive a Rivian every day as my daily driver, and that's a little bit smaller than this. Um, but more than the size, actually, that I'm excited about is the rear wheel steering. 
And my understanding is when someone told me that the truck had 10 degrees of rear steering, I was like, there's no way. I saw this thing move around and it looked like five at the most. And Colton and I put it in the video. We're like, there's no way this thing has 10 degrees of rear steer. And then I heard it needs a software update to get 10 degrees. So I was like, okay, we're going to see a lot more rear steer than we've seen up to this point. And I've driven Mercedes EQS and Hummer EV and all of these relatively large vehicles with rear steer. And that's what makes it feel small and nimble around town. If you need to make a quick right turn with a curb that extends all the way out, you can just whoop right around and you don't have to worry about anything. And in the Cybertruck, you can just drive over the curb. Who cares? But, <laughs> uh, but ultimately, um, I think the, the rear steer is going to give it this magically small character that isn't going to be a problem. Uh, the only problem with rear steer is parallel parking. If you get that thing right up on a curb and you turn to pull away, you have big tail swing. So you'll come up and over the curb in the back. And so that's where like a feature like crab walk on the Hummer EV is kind of cool where you can just diagonally drive out into traffic or even um, with the Mercedes systems, you can put it in snow chain mode to lock the rear wheels straight. I hope there's a rear steer override because there are enough use cases where I sometimes don't want rear steer especially when the back of the truck is in a very tight environment. Okay. Yeah, that's a good, um, man, you think of a lot of <laughs> extra things I didn't think about. And I mean, based off of the way that this works, I, I have no idea. So I'm more asking you, can could Tesla add crab walk with software since the wheels can do that? Absolutely. The, the rear motor uh, and the back, I couldn't quite get which supplier did it, but they look like normal rear steer motors. The front just has two of them. And so, uh, you know, the front's full independent. A lot of people think they're independent motors for each wheel. There is still a rack. It's just controlled with right. redundant motors up front. Uh, so you can't like turn the front left wheel left and the front right wheel right. They are still mechanically linked, just controlled through motors. The rear works the same way. There's a motor that pushes the rack left and right and then enables the spin. Okay. Why they don't have 10 degrees of rear steer yet, I'm not sure. My guess it has something to do with the tuning of the variable ratio steer by wire wire with the extreme amount of rear steer to try and tune that to feel comfortable or less awkward to the user because just listening to the early reviews of those who had a, had the chance to drive it everyone was saying that it was you know basically just going to feel a little it felt a little bit too twitchy like a little steering input made the truck do a big one so it sounds like they need to software update some of their logic there Sure. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's the motors, but I, and I don't know if I'm even supposed to know this, but <laughs> I heard Bosch was the one working with them on the, um, on the steering. Ah, cool. Yeah. On that the, makes sense. My wire stuff. So yeah, it would um, well, be there one were, of those. Yeah. There were a few cyber trucks here in Michigan. Um, and people were spotting them over there at, at the Bosch facility. So, um, seems like that's who it was. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, no, that makes sense. Yep. Uh, okay. And then I'll, we'll answer this one really quick. I think this is for you, but for both of us, we were not quite cool enough to, um, <laughs> get that. Did you, well, never mind. I won't say that. Um, Tesla picked a few gigantic channels. Um, Kyle's channel is definitely getting up there and he's, I think you're really well known as like a car reviewer at this point. Um, but I still seemed... feel like we're tiny. We're we're in our little bubble, and and like there was no chance we would be if you if there were only three outlets that got a car, we wouldn't be on there, especially for something as important of this. For certain brands, uh, you know, certain brands value um, our coverage more than others. You know, we we always see, you always see me driving Porsches first. You always see me driving Volkswagens or 
um, you know, even GM stuff. Like it just depends. But then certain PR people like don't understand why anyone would want to see a range test on their car. Um, surprisingly, Rolls Royce let us how to go. That was cool in the Spectre. So, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, we we have a great. We'll we test every car whether or not we're first is mm, we still got to get bigger to be first on everything. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think you're well on your way there. Definitely. All right. Uh, so moving But I do want to say really quick, oh, I'm sorry, to, there might yeah. be a slight lag on my side. I don't want to talk over you at all. But um, in terms of what we are planning to do with the Cybertruck, you won't just see one video from us. You're going to see, you know, when we have one, we'll probably try and borrow one for a week or two and just run it through every test we need to do we did the same thing with the rivian with the f-150 lightning where we just kind of hammered through all of our tests in a short period of time so mm-hmm. it'll be like uh you know cybertruck week on out of spec we'll do the f-150 versus cybertruck versus silverado ev versus rivian you know hook them all up to the same trailer and drive the same trip and do race to vegas and charge tests and range tests and just really try and evaluate what this truck is in its current offering definitely yeah, no, I'm excited for all the stuff you you guys are going to do. I mean, my so from my side, I always, you know, my channel started as kind of the uh, like experience of of living with it because don't get me wrong, I love watching all the auto reviewers and stuff, but part of me is kind of like neat, but that doesn't tell me that much about actually owning it and like I can't afford to get a new car every week <laughs> and test it out. So even though it's not the most exciting thing that yeah, I have a two year old car and everything. It's nice, you know, our three or four year old car. It's nice that it's been used for a while. And I can tell you the problems I've had, the the good things, which obviously you guys do too. You keep like a a kind of stash of vehicles that you're actually using daily and running through all the paces. So um, I plan on actually purchasing it. And it's, I mean, part of me wants it to be like my last vehicle. I, I didn't mean to, you know, I bought like six or seven Teslas at this point. I didn't mean to, that was not the goal. When I bought my Model 3, I was like, I can barely afford this, I guess. I suppose I'll, you know, and then it just kind of evolved. So I probably won't stop with the Cybertruck because there are no, be it's not going to be your own last range, car. But... Well, they have the Cybertruck, you know, eight motor million horsepower one. <laughs> exactly. You know, this is just a yeah. never ending stream. Yeah, the Tesla's definitely almost turned it into like uh, hanging out with uh, or buying new phones or something. Um, sorry, I'm doing a little of uh, streaming uh, work in the background here. Let me let me pull up a question here for you to um, talk about. I'll answer this really quick. Yes, I'm getting a Cybertruck. Um, I will give rides for sure. I'll bring it to the Tesla Club in Michigan and let everyone crawl around in it. Um, I'll talk about this a little bit. So people are a little upset about the the spare tire situation. So there's, this person says, uh, do not get a spare. If you're hauling around a spare tire in the bed, that's even less usable space. And, you know, on top of, I don't want to go back to range extender, but if you had the range extender and you put the spare in, your bed's like almost full at that point. Um, real quick for me, I don't carry a spare as it is right now. I've regretted that decision once in the past, I don't know, 10 years. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I don't usually carry a spare with me. I wish my truck had a spare because it's a truck. I wanted to do all the truck things, but this did not upset me too much. But it seems like a lot of people are are kind of upset about this. What do you think? I'm surprised they didn't put put it under it or on the back. I mean, you could do it aftermarket on the back, but yeah. One of my favorite things about the Rivian is it's a very compact truck, but they have storage everywhere. The gear tunnel, one of my favorite features. The underfloor bed storage that actually fits a full size, not even compact spare, uh, is just great peace of mind. And I have had to use it on my Rivian before. Um, good. 
Yeah, I mean, I think what I don't understand about the Cybertruck in terms of usable space, you know that little plastic bit under the truck? We were walking around the factory, like, looking up under them. We were looking at the tow hitches, and we're like, what what is going on here? Um, I can't figure out why they have this much air under there. I was going to ask you about that. I think it must be an arrow up to the, the trailer hitch situation, but then I'm not... There's there's always an engineering reason. We don't always have the answers to it. But hopefully one day I get to ask one of the Tesla engineers who are incredible engineers who really do think about everything. It's not like they don't think about this stuff. I just want to know why that was left as empty space and not as usable storage. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, I mean, my thought, and I've heard others say this as well, is definitely aero. You know, it's get you less space under there for, for air to be churning around. Um, but yeah, why not put something in there? Cause it's a big, I saw a picture of somebody, I don't know if it was your picture or I think it was somebody else, uh, was able to take a picture inside that thing. And it's just a cavern with nothing. <laughs> and mine... yeah, it's like just fill it. Like you already have the under tray and maybe my proportions are off or maybe some things, but it just seemed like you could enlarge what goes under there and maybe even fit a spare tire. Um, if you were to be a little bit creative, there's gotta be a reason as to why this happened, but it just seems again, very non-Tesla who optimizes everything traditionally to have this kind of unoptimized space. Yeah. Yep. Nope. I totally agree with that. Uh, I found that very strange. I actually was going to try to put a picture of that in my little slide deck here, but I couldn't find a good one of just that. uh, I think what most people will do, will put the spare tire on the back. Like here in Colorado, it's very common for people to upgrade their trucks there's Tacomas, there's literally my whole neighborhood's full of Rivians that are all starting to get modifications and off-road stuff. And I mean, I'm friends with all of them, but like we all nerd out. We're like, let's go hit the trails today. It's part of our culture living in the mountains here. And um, I think there's going to be no lack of accessories for the Cybertruck, including, I think we've already seen Unplugged Performance, and I'm sure there will be others offering some sort of spare tire carrier uh, because you don't want that in the bed. The, the thing is, the bed is already pretty small on these trucks. Like it, this is not a long bed, heavy duty truck situation. You're These talking about small. even Cybertruck, yeah, Cybertruck, Lightning. Wow. Um, you know, they're just not huge uh, compared to like an eight foot bed and, you know, in a dually with super wide. So sure. space is of a premium and uh, filling it with a battery pack that may or may not come and filling it with a spare tire that is going to be really heavy and just looks like a bad integration. Not sure that's the way to do it. Right. Yep. I uh, I hear you on that. Um, that's great stuff. Uh, yeah, Unplugged is going to do... Yeah, I think aftermarket accessories are going to go crazy for this thing. And I'm already like, yeah, I want to buy them all. I'm not big on aftermarket accessories. I get a couple here and there. Um, but for the most part, I'm not, I don't... In just. I just don't enjoy that much, but for Cybertruck, for whatever reason, I like already have a fever of like, yeah, I want that light bar and I want the tire on the back and I want all the storage on the side. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and the, I think light we're bar, the integrated light bar looks sick and it looks like there's a power port on the roof as well for that. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I have a slide of that on here. Yeah. Just, I was going through the owner's manual thing just now. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, and... that's this. I don't know if I can share it or not. I don't know if my computer lets me. But basically, yeah, I think they have a way for you to power it from the roof. It's part of like the outlets menu. There's like a diagram, mm-hmm. and it looked like there was a roof outlet. Oh, I have that on just the side as well. Like a Porsche 911 Dakar has that for its uh, rally light. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so there's this one. I'm yeah, not sure. So power, no, it's it's similar to this. 
Okay. It's like roughly that same one, but then it lists every outlet. Ah, I don't think I have that. Yeah, oh, I no, sorry. It is that. Look, sorry. Okay. It shows it right here. It says power feed roof on the right side. And you can see power feed frunk. Oh, oh, yeah. I didn't even notice power feed roof. That's a yes. Okay. I'm guessing there's a port. That's I guess that is what I saw. Sorry. So that okay. it. Uh, I guess there is a port on the top, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Because I don't know how else they would wire up the um, the light without drilling into the cab. And it's and the thing is, okay. Do you know how they're doing this 48 volt architecture yet? Is there any 12 volt on the truck? There is 12 volt. So uh, this is, you know, friend of a friend, kind of like far off. But I heard that they did. 48 volt for the the basically high powered things that needed it, but to help with supply chain simplicity, etc., they kept a lot of stuff 12 volt still. So I can't give any details beyond that. How is that different than like what other automakers do with their 48 volt loads? Don't ask me. Okay, so like <laughs> like Audi A8 as an example mm-hmm. has a 12 volt, uh, you know, low voltage system. This is back from. 2016 they did this i think something like that and then they had a 48 volt for their suspension system and then you know they of course there's no 400 volt there was a combustion engine and then i just reviewed and tested the new porsche panamera plug-in hybrid i think i can talk about it now if not porsche don't sue me um (laughs) but they have a suspension system that's 400 volt and it runs off of their hybrid battery pack um so they just skipped the 48 volt in that car so they have 12 and then high voltage Um, I ultimately to the end user, I don't think you're going to get a better driving experience, but if they can get as many things off of 12 volt and to higher voltage as possible, I think that's, uh, that makes so much sense. I was under the impression that there was no 12 volt in this truck. So uh, interesting that there is some, well, don't, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but that's... yeah, well, we'll test it. Cause I, I'm just curious. Um, you can also get DC to DC converters uh, for like trailer lights or other accessories or things like that. We'll have to all test it. Yeah, some people are saying it's all 48 volts. Some are saying, yeah. yeah. No, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, so then that's really innovative. If it is all 48 volt, that's so cool. So then my big, the only 12 volt things that would really come to mind are like, okay, in-car accessories, but most of those can be USB-C powered these days. Um, and then trailer lights, they might just have a um, 12 volt to 48 volt DC to DC uh, to run You know your your accessory attachments off the back. Right. Yeah, there is no 12 volt. That was that was my initial impression that there's no 12 volt. And obviously that makes sense because reduce the wiring and the weight and the complexity and everything. But then, you know, you start hearing things. Um, yeah. So then the whole 48 volt conversation just gets uh, hugely more interesting that there is no 12 volt because now you've made a radical change. And that is so cool. To the end user, no one will know, no one will care, and it's not like this is going to be an efficient vehicle for you to notice, but it is just cool from an engineering perspective to take the next leap. Right, definitely. Um, So I was excited to finally see, you know what, let's talk about this real quick. I don't know if you saw this, this just came out a couple hours ago or something, Um, so this EPA document, and so did you see this, the battery capacity they list on the right there is 150 kilowatt hours? Yes. Do you think there's that much buffer in there? Um, I don't know if Tesla ever said a number on battery capacity. Um, I'm pretty sure the 123 kilowatt hour was like officially plastered somewhere. That's a good point. I guess I should have found that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
it's one thing we're going to test, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 one of those things. Still a question mark for me. I saw the 123 kilowatt hour number in the Top Gear review and Marquez's review, but then right. also in Marquez's review, he said for the rear wheel drive, it was 123 kilowatt hours, but that gets significantly less range. So I'm like, there's yeah. no way that has 100. So then I was like, okay, can we really trust these numbers, or is it just you know having a number to throw out there? I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. You can calculate battery capacity with different drive cycles and in different ways, just so you know. So there's never just one number to say the capacity. There's, of course, usable and gross, but then the ways that you can calculate usable and gross are different. It also comes down to what's the discharge cycle that you're pulling it out of. Because if you do a hard drive, you get less usable capacity out of the battery pack and more burnt off as heat energy. So it depends on what drive cycle they used to provide this number. Um, and, and, uh, you know, if they're calculating like GM sometimes calculates their, uh, you know, their amp hour capacity off of a full charge voltage, which is not how you measure battery pack capacity, but that makes it to the EPA documents. So it makes Hummer EV look like it has like a 250 kilowatt hour battery pack or something when it's really only about 212 usable. Um, and there's not that much buffer on there. So I'm not sure how Tesla did all this. I need to really dig into it. Hopefully um, we'll get the full drive cycle EPA test loop data, and then we can start to extrapolate uh, battery capacities. Got it. I'm loving the thoroughness of all these answers. This is very good. Um, so I was very excited to finally see some outlets inside of the Cybertruck. Obviously, there's in the bed, we have two uh, NEMA 520s, and then we have the one NEMA 1450, which does uh, nine, nine something kilowatt hours. Yeah, uh, 40 amps. 40 amps. Oh, 40. Okay. And then um, the reverse charge function does 11 something kilowatt hours, like to power your home uh, through the, there's a little confusion because it says you need the universal wall connector, which is a slightly newer wall connector from Tesla that, you know, comes with both ports, the J1772 and the NAX. Uh, But also on the page, it says, if you already have power wall and wall connector, you don't need any additional hardware. It doesn't say universal wall connector. So I was kind of like, hey, I have wall connector and and power walls, um, but I don't have the universal one. So I'm I'm a little confused on that. But well, I think a lot of it comes down to the neutral line. So both J1772 or CCS1 and NAX J3400 mm-hmm. don't have a neutral line. So you need to have, I think what Tesla is going to do is run everything through their gateway to provide the neutral for your electrical system. And so I think it comes down to the existing universal wall, I, I guess then you're going to have to run it through a gateway either way. So why would the wall connector matter? I'm not sure. That's actually unsure. But I do know you will need a gateway to provide neutral because the vehicle uh, ports don't allow it. Right. Yes. So, yeah, that was another thing I was I was very excited about. So um, let me see. I don't usually uh, put these up, but I know you're excited. So what do you think about, I, I don't know how much you've, kind of delve into production and uh, manufacturing and that kind of side of things, but not much, not much. Yeah. You I'm a car guy. I don't know much about building them, but I know a lot about driving them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Do you have any thoughts? I mean, do you want to, do you have any thoughts on what you think they're going to be able to churn out? Uh, you mean in terms of production volume? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care. I just need one. If they can just build me one. <laughs> yeah. I know I'm a little frustrated that, you know, you can go on the website. Did you order one again? No. I'm a little frustrated. You can go on the website and order one, but the reservation people, nothing's happened yet. It probably hmm. doesn't mean anything, but I don't uh, have when... a reservation either. What? What are you doing? I know. 
I well, I figured I'd miss day one. I'll just get a used one. I don't. That's gonna be tough because you know if if so Tesla's thing is if you resell a Tesla for more than you paid, they ban you from buying new Teslas. Good, sell it to me for what you pay it for. <laughs> no one's gonna want to do that. We'll give you a shout out. <laughs> in in two weeks, we'll send you you know an extra. How would they know how much you pay for the vehicle? It's a private sale. I don't know. And but and honestly, know. if someone wants to sell me one, they can keep it in their account so Tesla doesn't even know I own it. They'll keep yeah. it their name, their registration. I'll take all the risk. I just need it for videos. Yeah. No, I, I actually um, – I'm sure there's ways around it. But if you don't sell it privately, it would be pretty easy for them to figure out. Um, I don't know if they have – yeah, they have ways. They all – we don't need to get into that. The company just seems to know like everything that's going on. It's almost kind of scary. Well, they can't force you to not sell their product. They can penalize you like GM would penalize you for their hot models. Uh, if you sold like a, you know, an Escalade V within six months of taking delivery, they'll kill the warranty on it. Um, so there's ways wow. that people can uh, disincentivize early sales. Um, but, you know, they're, you know, they can't say you're not allowed to sell the thing that you own. They can just take away, you know, some privileges. Right. Sure. Sure. Of course. Um, okay. This is a good one. I have a whole line of questions, but I'm looking at the latest stuff um, about the the steering wheel or the squircle, which I first heard Marquez say that and I thought he made it up, but then other people were saying it. So I don't know if they just all took it from oh, him. Oh yeah. I've been saying that since we saw it a uh, long time ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. cool. Like known, so, known word. So what do you think? Cause yeah, I remember you do not like the yoke. We've talked a lot about that. I enjoy the yoke, but now it's a, it's a wonder we're friends. I don't know. <laughs> it is the biggest point of contention every time we. No, it's fine. But uh, I don't like the yoke. No, and I took it. I have my yoke on the wall over here that came out of That's my awesome. Model S, and that I still great. should blow it up or drive it over with something. Uh, it's awful. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, it's really not that bad. It just doesn't improve the experience, and so I think a wheel is nicer for. I made a whole video about it, about performance driving and sliding the car, stuff that I like to do. And sure. and also just having a round wheel is nice. I uh, Both this and the Lucid Gravity have squircles. And they launched within two weeks of each other. Uh, so that, I thought that was kind of interesting. I don't know if the Lucid Gravity will have steer-by-wire. There's been no indication that it would. Um, but again, that car's still far away from series production. I would pref- I don't mind the squircle with the steer-by-wire. Right. But I have not driven it. So I don't think I would feel the need because you have a different interaction point with the car and you're not doing a lot of hand over hand and it's a lot of electronic control. I think I'm okay with this. Um, and I think I'd probably be even okay with it if they didn't have the top part of the wheel. Um, it's more or less that the yoke is on the same interface gear or steering ratio as a round wheel and you have to go over and you know it's a fixed ratio so i like to feel you know the the stress build up in the rack with a round wheel and all these things that i don't think we're going to get from the Cybertruck. and so um yeah I, i think it's cool i'm more excited rather than the steering input device i'm more excited to see how they tune the variable ratio steer by wire Variable ratio steering is nothing new. BMW has been doing it for 20 years. Um, You know, this is not new how they're doing it. That's the new part. And to the extreme lengths of how they're doing it is the new part. So um, yeah, I'm super, uh, super thrilled to see how this all plays out more or less, but I I can't just watching the Jason Camisa video 
Um, well, Canoe doesn't sell a vehicle, so they don't have that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't exist yet. Um, you know, so basically Jason's review of the Cybertruck just looked so promising for everything he was doing with it that I was like, that's the video that just watching it move dynamically and watching his inputs. I'm like, okay, it seems like someone cared to make this work really well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's funny. Cause I, I like the yoke and I think the, the, you saying at the divide between us is that this kind of stuff you like to do. I just like to go drive. I mean, I don't like to drive that much, but when I drive, I'm driving a long time in a straight line and having that flat side is just so much more comfortable for just sitting there, especially on autopilot. Um, and kind of, that's what I like about it. But yeah, I think since you don't, you're not going to twist it a bunch of times, it's going to be fine. Um, but it'll be, you know, just like how people had to adapt to regen. Uh, my coworker just got a model three for his first EV ever. And, um, when he did the test drive, he's telling me about the regen. He's like, Oh, it's kind of weird. Like, and, and then I get back to work this week and he's like, man, I love regen. <laughs> it's like his favorite thing about the whole car, but it's a new, it's different. And so, you know, I, I just, in my head, I kind of think this steer by wire and, and all this is going to be kind of the same thing. Um, do you, speaking of brakes, do you know if this is a brake by wire? That's what I heard, but no, I don't know. I, and then I don't know how they're doing brake by wire, but so many vehicles are brake by wire today. Every Volvo, every Polestar, um, our Audi e-trons brake by wire. This is not new technology, but, um, how they're doing it, whether it's with individual brake controllers on each caliper, which is like a Brembo developed system has something like that. And they can actually physically back the caliper off the rotor. So you have less drag. Um, which is really cool for range purposes. I don't know if they're doing that or not. Based on what I saw at the factory, it looked like traditional, you know, hydraulic brake lines running to each um, with, uh, yeah, and and talking in a space earlier today on Twitter, it sounds like someone was saying that it looked like it had a traditional, you know, vacuum brake booster. But it could be controlled with a brake-by-wire system, which means they could actually do regen blending on the brake pedal, which a Tesla has never done before. Um, so every, up until now, Tesla's only done throttle or accelerator pedal uh, right. regen, and then the brake pedal was just adding friction brakes. Uh, what they could do is go maximum deceleration at a comfortable deceleration rate. Someone threw out 0.3 G at one point, um, you know, when you lift completely off. And then you can blend in extra regen on the brake pedal because it's so heavy and it seems like the battery and the motors are so capable um, it would only make sense to improve the efficiency to move to a system like that. Um, you lose brake feel, but you gain efficiency. Right. Um, sorry, I had one over here. These comments, these guys are funny. <laughs> They're very smart. I love looking at the comments, man. It's I call it the the collective. It's just the collective is so smart. They, you know, they have all this information from. Uh, us and other sources that they can all then bring in as as we're talking about all this kind of stuff. It's amazing um, to see the audience crossover between your channel and ours. Yeah, so oh, it's people that I recognize are here. Yeah, it's it's a lot of people. We have a big. There's over. There's almost 900 people here right now, which for me is a holy smokes. Yeah, no it's a, a dang good live stream for me. Um, I don't think I've ever had a live stream get that high before. That's crazy. Yeah, normal for me is like three to four. So welcome everybody. If you're not subscribed to Kyle, make sure you head over to Out of Spec. Uh, reviews out of spec motoring out of spec podcast out of, <laughs> just type yeah, out of spec. 17 channel just reviews 17? is the one to, yeah the reviews is the one to look at for uh you know i guess uh cyber truck stuff podcast this week we'll have a lot of cyber truck stuff 
Oh, GTA six trailer dropped. I thought that was tomorrow. All right. Well, come on. Don't. Oh, I heard. Okay. Not the right podcast, but I heard the Chrysler 300 C is back in grand theft auto, which is like a staple of that game. (laughs) I know we're talking electric cars here, but no, I'm glad you're you're excited for GTA. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Cool. Uh, the question I saw, <clears throat> excuse me, which I can't find now, but did you get a count of how many Cybertrucks you thought you saw on the line? I was kicking myself after because I was, okay, I don't know if you were surprised, but I did not expect to see that many Cybertrucks. Totally like, agree. Okay. Did you get any kind of feel for how many? Someone walked up to me. I don't know who they were. And they just went, we counted 56 cyber trucks and then walked away. And I was like, that was like the best interaction because a, I wasn't, I don't care how many they built. That's not, I'm not an investor. Like you sure, build sure. as many as you can. I just want whatever one I can get first. Like I, the, the production thing's never been on my high priority list, but I just love how they came up to me. No idea who they were. We counted 56 and then they just walked away. <laughs> so, That's so funny. Yeah. I don't know. They're, wow. they're between the, the vehicles in the factory and outside, there had to have been close to 80 to 100 trucks. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking over 100, so somewhere around the 100 number. It yeah. Was... Around 100 seems reasonable. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm excited for the production to ramp because I, I, I'm the same as you. I want one. <laughs> I really want. I just like can't wait for this thing. I've been. For so long. And I mean, back when I had my Model 3, so I bought a Model 3 in 2019. And then 2021, I like kind of debated, like they had really good prices on the Model Y. It was before the prices went up and used cars were like starting to explode in value. So I was like, man, my 50,000 mile Model 3, I can get so much money for it. And get, should I do it? Eh, Cybertruck's coming soon. I was like, no, it's probably not. Thank God I switched to the Model Y because now that Model Y's got over 50,000, well, almost 50,000 miles on it. <laughs> um. I'm just so glad that I switched. Yeah, the car market was crazy. Um, you know, I tried to, I owned a 2019 Model 3 as well, and I tried to sell it, and our audience freaked out so much. They said, You're not allowed to sell this car. So I did. I remember that. I, I told you, they- I, I contributed and I said, Don't sell it because I wanted you to keep beating it up. You guys go on road trips like crazy. You drive so much. You have all, all the good testing methodology. So I, sorry, not sorry. I was one of the ones that told you to keep it. <laughs> Yeah, well, now we're we're never going to sell it, and uh, it'll stick around in the permanent garage. And it's actually with my colleague Jordan. And last I looked at the map, he was in Houston. I don't know what he's doing, but he's just he's been all. It's been in different areas of the country all week. I haven't talked to him. I don't know what he's doing with it. So, how many miles is it at now? Uh, not that many. Uh, a friend of ours borrowed it for like six months, whose car broke down, and she just uses it around town locally. Um, and so it, it didn't get. So I think we're at one fifty, something like that. That's pretty good. I mean, that that's pretty good. No, I'm ex- I'm excited for you to have that and just beat it up until it. I mean, at some point it's going to die, and you know, hopefully that's at three hundred thousand yeah, we'll miles. Yeah, always thing, but... going. We, I mean, there's been stuff that has broken suspension components. We're really hard on that car, uh, but we take care of the battery best we can. It sits at fifty percent or even thirty percent when it's not being used, and then we wow. use the crap out of it when we do need to use it. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's I I I definitely want to keep following that exact model three. It's very cool. Um, so getting off of Cybertruck a little bit, I mean, I, that's kind of all I want to talk about, but I do want to give some other people, some people have some good questions. This person might not even be here. They asked this a while ago, but <laughs> do you have any opinions on, um, like just consumer purchasing, uh, for a Tesla? Should, should they wait till next year? Should they take advantage? Of, Tesla's a little desperate right now to sell some cars. They, they're, they're really pushing. Um, do you have any opinion on this? Yeah, I think there's two things to wait for, for 2024. We're so close. First of all, there's no major incentive to take delivery before year end. Uh, and we do know that you will get a cash on the hood tax credit starting in January. Uh, and, and of course, some 
it sounds I haven't totally kept on track with it. My colleague Max is the one who like reads every tax document that comes out for every state. So you should check out Out of Spec Guide if you're interested in like the actual numbers and recommendations. So this is just from the outside looking in. I don't watch every video we produce, so I don't know. But I would say it sounds like January, if you're buying a vehicle that qualifies for the full $7,500 tax credit um, and you fit within the financial stipulations that they say, um, it sounds like January seems like worth waiting for because it just comes off the hood of the car. And um, Highland Model 3 is so much better than the current Model 3 do not buy a current Model 3. Wait as long as you need to, unless you need a car right now. The current Model 3 is great, but the Highland is freaking epic. And I've had a chance to drive it and review it and test it, and it is just the next level. So it's really, really good. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. And I talked to my coworker about that. You know, he just picked his car up last week. Um, and I, he's, he's a normal guy. He's not a nerd about EVs. He just wants a reliable car. He doesn't drive all that much. And he doesn't want to spend a whole a whole ton of money. And I told him about the Highland because I didn't want him to, you know, be misinformed. And I was like, there is a new version of this coming if you care. Uh, but the tax credit could go down next year. Uh, they'll probably raise prices once that one comes out because there will be more demand. And he's like, no, I like the price of this. I don't care about, you know, I don't know if you even watched a video about it. I actually told him to watch your video because you were one of the people I knew that reviewed it um, and had videos about it. But uh he was like, no, I just want to get this good deal. I get the six months of free supercharging. He supercharges while he grocery shops once a week for free. Oh, he got um, that midnight silver one you posted photos of. Yes, that was his. Uh, yes, that was oh, his. Yeah. Today was no, the first day I saw great. it. So great. Um, he's very happy with it. That's what I was talking about earlier with. He's like, he loves the regen and all that. So it's hard because, you know, pretty much everyone here, me and you and the people talking, we're super nerdy about it. We want to check out the latest thing and blah, blah, blah. Um, but when you get to like normal people who just want a reliable car, they don't want to wait another month. They want a good price and they just want a car. The so. price right now is insane. It's so good. If you buy a base Model 3 LFP, first of all, it's one of the best cars on the market in terms yeah. of how you can treat it, how it works, how it uses, how the software integrates. That's so good. I mean, for yeah, for people like you and me who value how cars drive and tech and materials and refinement, then yeah, Highland is far superior and it will hold its value better in the secondary market. But uh, yeah, don't, don't we don't know when Highland's coming, do we, Chris? No, I think January, but no, <laughs> no, we don't know. I, I'm, I think it's, I think they're going to at least open up orders in January. That's my guess. Um, but there's no official word, which is so weird how they, I mean, you know, Shanghai gets the new stuff and this was the new thing, but it's still kind of strange how long this discrepancy has been going on, forcing them to, to lower the price, which again, overall is a good thing for people that want to take advantage. Um, but I just was, you know, very surprised um, that they've waited this long. Man, y'all, I am, I'm trying to get to your comments. Um, I'm going to, usually I tell people, I'm like, don't spam because I save them. I can't. There, there's way too much going on in the comments. Well, so good. Go Let's start cherry picking them. I don't know. Yeah, we'll I'm having it. a lot. I'm just telling people watching, you can spam a little bit. If if you've been asking a while and I haven't put it up, I'm not doing that on purpose. Uh, <laughs> this is going really well. Wow, we're at an hour. So you're you're good to keep going? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Then we're going to go for a while. I mean, we're at, we're about to hit a thousand people. This is like kind of crazy. Hell yeah, so, bring it on. Um, this is great. All right. So we got that one. Uh, let me get through some of these. Some of these are super old that I've saved. Um, oh, this was kind of interesting. Um, I think Tesla will phase out the S and X uh, relatively soon. And the replacement for the new high-end product will be the 2020 Roadster. Uh, okay, that's a little 
that's a little much for me. Uh, I, I didn't get to the end of that comment before I put it up. Uh, I don't think they're going to quite go that far, but I am a, a bit interested in this phasing out the SNX talk uh, because SNX are, I mean, they're great. They're a little long in the tooth um, in terms of just kind of the platform. Uh, but then when you compare them to the other options on the market in a similar price, they're still great. Uh, so, so what do you think about this? Because I've kind of had the same thought, like, are they going to almost bump up three and a Y then bring in the super cheap Tesla and there's not much room for SNX there. Do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I think, um, BMW is a brand that has proven that there is an unlimited desire for as many variations of a brand as possible. BMW for a time period before Tesla really was popular, this is 2012, 13, 14, had a strategy to build one platform and as many different variants as they could, even if they made no sense. If anyone just Googles the BMW 3 Series Grand Turismo and the 4 Series Grand Coupe, they were sold alongside each other virtually identical the three series gran turismo was just slightly bigger and slightly uglier and um then they also had a a five series gt like they had cars that you would be like who the heck would buy them and people would buy them now of course with tesla around simplifying the product lineup this new strategy to to streamline production um it it seems to me like with the low volumes tesla's doing i don't know why they would keep those s and x around except for halo products uh the model x my dad owns one and drives one and he is a huge fan i've never jived with the model x all that much just from i just thought they drove a little bit weird but i own a model s plaid and and in terms of like a, a headline acceleration stat or a party piece um that car still looks great the model s is still one of the best looking electric cars ever to market in my opinion and um when you get them dialed in right they just look awesome and like, yeah, I don't know. They're cool halo pieces. It, it, does it really cost Tesla that much to keep them going? I don't know. I'm not a good judge of that. But I would be sad if they go, but I don't think it would overall affect the business or the market all that much. Someone had two 3 Series GTs. Bills are electric. Oh, my God. Of course he's now into EVs because only <laughs> like really nerdy people drove those things. So that's so funny that you had those. I, you know, the, I don't know if we should go on a tangent about BMW, but if you go ever for it. Really, we're, we're having fun. Okay, if you ever see a BMW 550i GT, that's basically a 7 Series chassis, 4.4 liter twin turbo V8, super cool car, extremely ugly and extremely unreliable, send me a photo on Twitter because they're so rare and cool and I hate them with a passion that I love them. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, just popping this one up here because we were talking about the the uh, Highland coming and this is kind of goes with the Tesla warning that the IRA credit's going to be halved next year for the model three this may be part of it it's all speculation at this point but that's kind of what a lot of um people are are thinking yeah that's where i saw okay maybe it's going to be halved next year uh that makes sense yep right um model x is since you were talking to, to him uh model x is better for more mature folks the seats are higher easier ingress you know what's funny is i love the model x so we owned one for i don't know six six or seven months and it just ended up for us being a little too expensive when i we could have a model y that does 90 percent of the stuff for ha less than half the price really uh, man did i get lucky on that sale because i sold mine and then they reduced it down to sub 80k like man it was like a week later or two weeks later i had multiple people like did somebody tell you i was like of course they didn't tell me dude i would probably go to jail if somebody told me or like whoever told me would be in huge trouble i just lucked out um i, I did kind of see the writing on the wall because car prices were plummeting but anyway we absolutely love the model x because 
easier to get in and out. Not that I'm that old, but I'm getting there. And for the kids, I mean, the kids, like you can control the doors from the app. It like seems so trivial, but then as the kids are like running outside, you just boop on your phone and the doors are open and the kids can hop in and then you can do your thing. So, uh, man, yeah, we love the Model X. Yeah, I'm really excited. I just saw a comment come through about Performance Model 3 Highland. And mm-hmm. that I'm so excited to see what Tesla does because um, the rumors of uh, – well, so first of all, Model 3 Performance today rocks. It's incredibly quick. It's incredibly fun. It's one of those really special chassis that has great natural dynamics of the vehicle, fantastic powertrain, great steering, It's it, the right size – and a ton of aftermarket support for upgrades. Like the current Model 3 performance is one of those benchmark handling vehicles. I actually know a lot of people in the tire industry. Uh, for example, our sponsor, Nokian Tires, just as an example, they all use Model 3 performances to test their new tires because the car is like just the standard car. It's what a car should be. It's predictable, it's fast, it's direct, and it allows them to really feel exactly what's going on with the tire. And being electric, they have instant, complete control, and they have great uh, noise feedback for the tire's performance. So when you when you look at like what tire testing companies use to develop their tires, those are the cars you want to buy if you're a driving enthusiast because they're always awesome. So, you know, three series of old E90 generation, E46 generation, all the highlights. And now Model 3 seems to be that standard tire testing car. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then the Model 3 Highland, we heard some rumors that they're just going to dial that thing up to 12. And honestly, they need to. If you look at the competition, Ionic 5N, EV6 GT, these are incredible cars that are priced, yeah, pretty high, but have you know limited slip diffs on the rear, have track modes, have all of these capabilities from a thermal standpoint and fast charging and significantly more power that it's like, okay, what's Tesla's answer to these things? That's what I can't wait to see is like a legit uh, hardcore Model 3 performance. And even if they just put a ludicrous badge on there, make it so normal people don't want to drive it. Just make it for the driving enthusiast. That's what I hope they do. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I do love Model 3 so much. Um, And what's going to be hard for me, especially not knowing what's going on with Cybertruck, is once that Refresh 3 is here, and I have the option to like, oh, I could just order that. And Tesla's going to be pumping them out, I'm sure. Uh, like, do I just get that and and hope Cybertruck's maybe six months away or nine months away? And that was the right decision because um, I don't want to get screwed. And, you know, I get my new Model 3 and they're like, hey, your Cybertruck's ready next week. <laughs> um, it's just such a hard decision because I, I do really want to check out that that uh, Model 3 as well. And, it's you know, it's a good point. I, I keep forgetting we don't know anything about the performance Highland. It's they did they didn't make it yet. They have uh, just long range and and standard range, right? Of the Highland, yeah. Um, just the two current versions are the dual motor all wheel drive and the LFP rear wheel. I drove the base one, um, loved it, really loved that car. Hmm. We did Nurburgring laps with it, which was great. Like we we really tested it; it was fun. We destroyed the brakes on that test car. Like you would hit the brake pedal and they were gone. Like they needed an entirely new uh, brake pad and brake bleed after our testing. So thanks to the sexy buttons guys for that one. Oh man, those things are so nice unlocking all those extra features that you can't normally have. Yeah, you know, I uh, just was just came home and Alyssa found this and put it on my desk. These sexy, but not sponsored at all. But uh, uh, maybe uh, you know, I got to wire them up for track mode and some other stuff because I took them out of my Model Three when I was selling the car a while ago. Now I got to put them back into to my S now. 
Yeah, I haven't put them back in Stephanie's car yet, but I know she's she's missing them. It's just me being busy and lazy. But yeah, use co- what's your code? Use code Dirty Tesla or what's your? Uh, oh, <laughs> I don't have one. We've never like worked with them in an official capacity. Oh, okay. I thought you, but you, it was their model three Highland. That yeah. You yeah they, we have like a great, but like our audience is primarily non Tesla. Oh, so, good good yeah. Good so it was like, okay. I was like, you can use, send us them. They sent us a bunch of them, right. but I was like, you know, <laughs> it's, all right. Then use code dirty Tesla to save. Yeah, That's so funny. Um, okay. Uh, what do you think about Roadster 2.0? Are you interested in, I mean, obviously you're interested in it. Um, what do you think compared to, so we had the whole weird situation with Model S. And if you need to go, seriously, just cut me off. I'm having a good time. So um, what's the situation? Okay. So we had the situation with Model S, Plaid, and then Plaid Plus. And then Tesla's like, ah, never mind. No, no, no. We're not making that. Where do you think the Roadster is going to come in in terms of performance? Because then you have the Lucid Sapphire, which is like, what, 1.95 seconds or something. And the Lucid is far more than the numbers would suggest. Because it's just the way that car was engineered, like mm-hmm. every component of it is next level. Okay. The Sapphire, it's well, more even, than the, the numbers on paper. Even the Lucid Air, in terms of like the motors and engineering and everything, is is a nice step above the Model S. If I'm not uh, misunderstanding, absolutely. You get. We just did a video with my dad, who's a huge Tesla fan, by the way, mm-hmm. and it's on his channel. I think where he drove a Taycan, a Lucid Air, and a Model S all back to back. And uh, we all kind of agreed that we're like, damn, the Lucid is just peak. It's just so good. From a driving enthusiast standpoint, what the chassis engineers did with that car, I can ignore a lot of other things I don't necessarily like about the styling, some other stuff. But I think the Sapphire looks great. Um, The software, all these little things. But the driving dynamics of Lucid is, it's like everyone who... I don't know. It's it's how I would engineer a car because it would just be like focus everything on driving dynamics and worry about everything else later. And it's just one of those incredible experiences to drive. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to drive one yet, unfortunately, but um, I've heard nothing but good things. And it's not even air suspension, right? They have springs. That's the craziest part of that car is it's a it's a fixed steel suspension with adaptive damper, and you can do a lot with adaptive damper. And I can't remember if they're using Bilstein's or Bilstein's or what what they're using, but um, the way that car is set up with the virtual ball steering axle axis up front, with um, you know honestly just just their entire geometry is amazing and the weight balance of the car and the powertrain thermal performance you can rip on those things all day and they don't overheat if you get a grand touring performance or a dream performance or a sapphire you can literally go and do a track day with it if you take a tycon a model s plaid or some other plaid's pretty good but you could take some other stuff and they just fall on their face very quickly so um you know i've been really hard on lucid since the beginning we we got one we tested it we you know, really pointed out a lot of flaws because I wanted them to do so well. And a lot of their software has come a long way. I think gravity is going to be the real interesting product. But from a driving, if you're on a canyon road, the Lucid's the one you want to be in. Yeah. What were we so, talking about? Roadster 2.0. Oh, yeah. sorry. I don't know why we got on the Lucid track. Because um, Well, I, I was comparing kind of the step from the, because pl- the plan is so already so good performance wise. I mean, okay, I am not that experienced with this stuff, but from what I know, Performance is very good in the plaid. The sapphire is a step up, and you kind of said it's like even more than a step up than you understand. So I'm trying to understand where Tesla goes from plaid performance to get up to something where Roadster it really makes sense at you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars versus ninety thousand. Um, because you're not getting like one second zero to sixty. Obviously, that's not going to happen. 
I don't think. Okay, so just like what when the Cybertruck was four years ago and how we kind of started the podcast, I don't know <laughs> if we can really truly comment okay. on the Roadster until we know what and when Tesla will deliver it. Um, yeah. Because up to this point, it's supremely delayed. We've seen no indication of test mules doing actual testing at proving grounds or at suppliers. And we just haven't seen the starting phases of that series production, um, you know, early stages of of ramping to series production. Uh, that we do see with every car Tesla does. We saw Highlands undercover. We saw, you know, I'm at test tracks quite often, especially the ones uh, I go to them where Tesla tests too. So I sometimes see early product. I try not to ever comment on them, but it gives me an indication of like what's going on roughly. And they could be doing a lot of secretive engineering on Roadster and surprise us next week. We don't know. But until they say like, here's the actual thing, it's not worth basing uh, our conversation, I think, off of these like, We'll have another Cybertruck 2019 situation, basically. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I, I really like, I mean, I get a lot into the speculation, but uh, I really like that take. I'm not going to lie. Because, um, I mean, we know nothing. So it's just like talking for talking's sake. Um, so let's let's do a little more Cybertruck and then we'll see how everybody's feeling. Because uh, there are some. So, so what do you think about this? Uh, stainless steel versus uh, Michigan winter. So I did a, a video that, I did a lot of research. Okay, I, I did a video of like, Stainless steel, what we can expect in terms of corrosion or rust, not, it's not impossible. Obviously, it's very resistant to those things. I think I got some things wrong, even though I did so much reading. And I talked to um, someone on X, their handle is Solar Solar Brewer, I think, um, who works obviously with stainless steel all day and with these huge vats and blah, blah, blah. And they kind of, you know, DM me and we were talking and they're like, you know, so I- this guy who asked the question. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even read the name. Yes, this is who it is. That's so funny. Thanks for pointing that out. I'm I'm so bad with names. So that's thank you for asking that question. He sent me pictures of around his station, this stainless steel, where he uses chloride for different things. And this stainless steel is just destroyed from chloride. And so, you know, what I found is um, stainless steel and chloride basically interact really well. And chloride likes to eat away at this stuff. Now, it's not a fast process. And it is something that you can kind of, if you're doing washing and, and stuff like that, uh, it will protect it for you know, 100 years or something. Um, but what are your thoughts on on getting the stainless steel on the road? And I mean, do you, do you know a lot about that or have you thought about that? Well, so. it's something I've deferred to Colton, who runs the detailing, out of spec detailing channel. He's done a yes. bunch on uh, HFS research, which I think would make a great license plate for, uh, or is it, what is the actual tagline for it's not 301 it's it's hfs hard f and steel oh, yeah and HFS. so that would make a great license plate for a cyber truck but uh yeah i don't know i don't i don't really know it seems like uh from what everyone's telling me what colton's telling me off of the research it just seems like if you maintain it if you even code it perhaps um then you're fine but with any new material comes new compromises and I think these are still, you know, things that we don't know how they'll perform with this new, uh, you know, sort of blend. I don't think we can compare existing forms of stainless steel to what Tesla's created here. It sounds like a completely new blend with uh, anti-corrosive properties baked into it, different than what's ever been done before. So I think it's one of those kind of wait and see. And and honestly, your truck's going to be the the showcase truck for that, because I think what your audience wants to see is never a wash drive it through all the salt get right. give it the worst possible life it can and living in michigan that's not going to be hard because your roads suck so you're going to have a really <laughs> good you know test truck there 
And that's what we're all going to be keeping our eyes on to look at the material performance. Right. Yeah. And I'm, that, I mean, that's definitely the plan um, is to just use it and not, I mean, that's kind of my whole theory of like cars are tools. They shouldn't need to be babied. You got to take care of them, of course, like whatever maintenance they need. But outside of that, um, you shouldn't have to baby them. They shouldn't be garage queens. You know, you I think you them. should not maintain it at all. You should just do zero service. And just see what grows. Okay, Mr. Charges to 50% unless <laughs> yeah. needed. So only charge the Cybertruck to 100% and only plug it in when you reach zero. And only supercharge it every time. Yeah. Um, okay. That. Okay. Let's move on to – that gives me something. I got a couple more here and then um, – I definitely saved it. Well, it was about uh, Cybertruck, well, 4680 charging. So um, there's a lot of kind of controversy about that right now with, um, I'm blanking on his name. What, what, what's his name? You know who I'm talking about? Who has the standard or the. Oh, um, the 468 Brandon Flash. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Flash. Thank you. Um, He has, so he has the 4680 Model Y. He's done a lot of, you've worked with him. He's done a lot of charging testing with his 4680 Model Y and it pretty much doesn't look very good. Uh, now no, it looks terrible. Yeah. Now I don't know. Did you see the picture of the Cybertruck at the supercharger? I I think this means nothing. But did you see it? Yes, the seventy-seven oh. kilowatts or whatever it was. Yeah, at seventy whatever percent. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. So that's like one point in time. So what if it stays at seventy-six kilowatts all the way to ninety-five percent? Still yeah. not good enough. Okay, go. Um. Well, we don't know. Okay, so first of all, they could be on a split version two charger. We don't know what charger they were at. And the maximum that charger can output is 72-ish kilowatts, but a little bit higher voltage, maybe, okay, something, don't know. That's just one theory. The other theory is they were at a version 3 station that was limited, which we all know version 3 chargers are 360 kilowatt cabinets distributed to four posts with site-level sharing. So you can take extra power from one side of the station and, and bring it over through a DC bus. So you can, in theory, max out a V3 charger down to 76 kilowatts and Occasionally, you'll have one charger that's islanded where um, they're not DC linked or there's an issue with the DC link. And if you have four cars plugged in, well, you can only do 360 kilowatts across those four. So you're just maxed. The one thing that I didn't see was the battery heating for optimal performance tab. So I know that it wasn't thermal limiting. So we at least know that the battery pack temperature was at the correct level for what it wanted at that state of charge because teslas will heat throughout the charging session and give you the the three bacon strips next to the battery as it's warming up we also don't really know the preconditioning strategy of cybertruck and how that's all going to work uh, i assume they use the motors and run them inefficiently but it's not been confirmed yet um yeah so i think uh i think it's too early to tell but based off of initial 4680 um 4680 model y is the worst model y by far. And this was promised as the best sell by far. So that was a disappointment. I think they they heard everyone's criticism. I'm hoping and adjusted it. We're hearing 350 kilowatt peak charging, um, you know, uh, which which I don't know why you would need a version four supercharger for that. Existing infrastructure can do that today from Electrify America, EVgo, oh, okay. other providers with the CCS adapter. The CCS adapter is a dumb adapter. It just, whatever the car asks for, uh, will be communicated to the charger. And then there's a temperature uh, monitoring inside. That's it. So I don't know why we have to wait for version four infrastructure. Maybe some of your audience doesn't know this. I know ours does, but version four doesn't exist yet. We've only seen version four dispensers hooked up to version three chargers. So we're not sure what version four is yet. Um, and um, yeah, we should talk a little bit about split pack as well, because that could get interesting. But I will say that screenshot didn't look... it. 
it didn't look promising for the charging curve. Let's just put it that way. You have 120, 140, 150 kilowatt hour battery pack that at 70% is only doing 70 something kilowatts. When just to play devil's advocate for a second, we're talking different cell form factor, different, slightly different chemistry, a Porsche Taycan, which only has an 86 kilowatt hour pack can do 200 kilowatts at 75%. Wow. It's a big difference. Yeah, I know. I know that one's the king from you. That one is just the kind of one of the best chargers. Well, and it came out in 2019. So like, you right. know, technology should have gotten better since then. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I do want to throw out there for everybody is when Tesla gets a new pack, they've been known in the past to limit uh, charging performance to kind of assess health and how the, ba- how the cells are going to, uh, you know, react to these high charging speeds and things. So there definitely could be a software update that makes these things. We don't know what it is. Well, it might make it better or worse. They've proven with Model 3, they made it worse. Uh, One of the things we did was we ran a cannonball at a Model 3 long range rear wheel drive that I like lowered to the ground and put on arrow wheels just Mm -hmm. as Tesla unlocked the 150 kilowatt from 125 to 150. This was in 2018 or early 19, something like that. 2019. I was on a road trip, so it was very nice. (laughs) It was great. And the charging curve was so aggressive. It would hold like 150 kilowatts to 60 something percent. And then it would taper down. Maybe it wasn't that high, but it just was awesome. And we were overheating the heck out of version two supercharger handles. We had to wrap them with ice cold rags so that the temperature sensor would be fooled to give us full power. And, um, then literally the next week, the software update came to the car and drastically reduced the charging performance. Hmm. I so, didn't. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's not always getting better. But in the case of the Cybertruck, my guess is they'll start conservatively, like you're saying, and then probably open it up. It, they definitely shouldn't make it any worse. But with forty six eighty, this is going to have to be the proof that that's what they've been working on. Actually, you know, bared some good fruit because the performance of that Model Y was not a good indication. Right, and again, it goes back to like, I I really, I want to review the, the battery day kind of information uh, because they just didn't reach their goals. I mean, it's a simple, it answers everything about this truck in terms of the range and the price and the, the ramp and how long it's taken to come out. It all comes down to those 4680s. They're just not what Tesla hoped. And I think they finally got to a point, you know, they said, okay, we have the 4680s in the Model Y. Now we have the Cybercell, which is 10% better. It's, not, it's kind of a dramatic name, in my opinion, for a 10% improvement, but whatever. That's what they call it. Um, and they finally got to a point where they're like, all right, let's 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 make the truck. That That's my opinion. Of course, the stainless steel and some other things they had to work on. Um, but I think it really um, all revolves around those 4680s just not reaching what you know Elon strived for, which is that's what he does. He's like, let's do the impossible. And then sometimes they do it. Sometimes they're late. Sometimes they don't do it. Um, You know, continuing on to the battery pack topic uh, on the split pack situation, you know, we we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the range extender. It's four modules, both 200 volts that are uh, are all 200 volts. At least this is what Jason said. I don't know how much, you know, we got to wait for Sandy's teardown or we'll wait till we can get canned data off the truck or something like this. But it sounds like it's four 200 volt modules wired together into parallel and series. And when you plug it into an existing supercharger, version two or version three, it's going to do something called split pack down to 400 volts. Um, Now, I did see some comments on Twitter that you're like, oh, now you have two battery packs. You can charge twice as fast. It's like, no, the C rate for the cell, the cell won't know what it's connected to. On the cellular level, it makes no difference. It's just you're going to either double your current 
and have your voltage or have your current and double your voltage. And so the, the total power that the truck can take is the same. And likely it can only take huge power at 800 to 1,000 volt capable chargers because um, to get 250 kilowatts on a 400 volt system car is like 600 something amps. So if I just, let me just do that really quick. 400, um, well, it does, we can do the math, but essentially my Model S will peak at about 690 to 700 amps when it's dead and I pull it in. Just running through that little tiny cable, it's crazy. I don't think you can really push it to do any more on 400 volt. Uh, Model S is the fastest charging 400 volt series production car in the market, uh, Model S and X, in terms of current draw. So I think it's pretty smart how they did that because you don't, um, Drew Baglino confirmed he was uh, messaging me on Twitter, which was super cool. I guess he's the powertrain guy at Tesla. Um, obviously super smart guy. Yeah. yeah. And so he he responded to a couple of my tweets saying like, nope, we're going to do a uh, split pack down to 400 volts. Uh, for uh, charging on existing version two and version three infrastructure. That just makes so much sense. You don't have to have a booster. Like Tycon has a, a a simulation of a split pack where it actually has a booster that splits the battery pack 800 to 400. And then you can either spec 50 or 100 kilowatts maximum or 150 kilowatts maximum because that's all the conversion power it can do. Lucid with the Wonder Box can only do 46 kilowatts or so. And so this is going to be able to take 250 kilowatts at 400 volts and 350 kilowatts on a charger that can deliver everything that's the that's the sweet spot the thing is this was never a problem the reason we don't need to really get into it now i did i've done podcasts on it but the reason lucid only does 45 or 46 kilowatts and and tycons only do 50 kilowatts depending on options on superchargers with magic dock is there were no 400 volt chargers that could ever do more than 50 kilowatts until Tesla opened up the network and no one ever thought they were going to do that. So it was just not a designed thing to think about. And it's really hard to change that later. Sure. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of good information. Um, <clears throat> just addressing this comment real quick from Ozan. Thank you. Uh, I, they, they never said that there was some weirdness in the semi event where Elon said that it was going to be able to use similar uh, infrastructure and higher voltage and if you go back and listen it almost sounds like he said it was going to use the same thing as the as the the cybertruck was going to use the same as the the semi but i mean the the cybertruck's definitely not going to be pulling 750 <laughs> or 1000 um amps it's not really going to happen but um well, the thing yeah. with the 1000 volt is we're not sure so the 800 volt number on the cybertruck could be 800 nominal which means it might actually be closer to 900 full um, so we'll have to actually look and that's one of the first things I'll test on it is, you know, we have our own DC charger now at the office, so yeah. I can actually do a voltage and current request draw from the vehicle throughout the entire charging curve and we'll learn its operational voltage range. And typically they spread well over a hundred volts. For example, today I plugged in my Rivian dead at like 1% at a charger and it was 320 volts. It was on the floor. And then when I full charged it, it was at 450. So that's a huge wow. voltage range of operation that that truck is working in. And, and every electric car works that way. Um, this is a perfect uh, question for exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Kyle, what's the reason current batteries are either 400 volt to 800 volt, not following the AC voltage pattern like 110 to 12, 220, not round numbers like 500 to 1000? Is there a logic? 
Um, yeah, mostly uh, there needs to be engineered or engineering standards or thresholds for everyone to build components around. It comes from the supply chain for the most part. So typically there's a 600 volt rating and a thousand volt rating. And so you typically want to be on average uh, 20% under your maximum rated, whatever it is. And so, yeah, the, the 400 volt Vehicles typically use 600-volt maximum rated components in them. The 800-volt vehicles typically use 1,000-volt rated components in them. And uh, it just comes down to, you know, uh, ranges that we need to get into. But no vehicle has a fixed voltage. It changes based off of, I mean, literally anyone can plug a, a CAN server or an OBD port into their electric car or a, a Scan My Tesla app, and you can floor it. And you'll watch the voltage sag to the floor. Uh, and then you can regen. You'll watch the voltage come up to charging voltage for the battery pack. So voltage is not a fixed number. It's just the the class of vehicle. And we have uh, we have general classes of vehicle like a 400 volt class and an 800 volt class. But like my Renault Twizy is 400 or 48 volts. My smart car is like 280 volts. Um, the Kia EV6 and Ionic 5 small battery is like 580 volts. It's like that's the weirdest one of everything on sale. That's like right in the middle. Um, and so, yeah, every car has its own operational voltage strategy for their own design targets and costing of everything. There's really no rhyme or reason to it. And it most components have a huge operational voltage range, like high, vo high voltage AC compressors and others where it doesn't really matter. It just comes down to how do you want to arrange your cells and how are you going to be controlling them? Great. That is really good. Um, I want to put this one up just because... This person has been commenting this for a while, and I don't want to ignore them. Uh, and it's it's a great idea. So the range extender and the spare space problem touches hide the spare tire behind the bumper diaper and remove the underbed storage. So this is something we talked about a long time ago. This gets a little tough for me with the live streams because we'll talk about a topic for a while, and there's so many good kind of responses, but we move on. I you know I don't want to abandon people if I don't have to. Um, but yes, it's a great point. There's we talked. There's all this space under the Cybertruck. They have a big chunk of plastic with nothing in it. Um, and you did you did say uh, they could maybe uh, fit a spare in there somehow. But here's the thing: like Tesla, no question, Tesla has thought about this. It's not like they presented right. the product I... and didn't expect someone to say, "Oh, why don't you?" Yeah, Elon's <laughs> like, "Hell yeah, let's put it in the underfloor." We didn't think about yeah. that. Like, yeah, no, of I course know. they. There's has to. That's the thing. That's why with Tesla, it's always a little bit more difficult um, to get information out of the company compared to when I do stuff with you know, every other automaker, I can go to a Hyundai event and talk to the Korean engineer who designed the, the rear motor inverter to do boosting as an example. And I know that guy is awesome. Um, <laughs> but you can't like call up Tesla as media, nor Chris or I and say, and say like, Hey, we have an official request to understand what was the design strategy here. So we can answer our audience and, uh, you know, at least share what the, the strategy was. It's just, you get a poop emoji back. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. And I love that about Tesla. Yeah. Every other auto journalist in my line of work, like hates Tesla. Uh, there's very, very few of them who respect the company and everything. And I think we're like the oddballs out, but uh, I, I love that approach. And honestly, it works for them. They don't need the press. Yeah, definitely. All right. I'm going to do one more here. We've been going for an hour and a half and I don't want to take uh, too much of your time. So this is directly to Kyle. I meant to tweet you the other day, but have you heard of or know anyone impacted by the Porsche Taycan packs having failures or recalls? Seems like it hasn't gotten much attention. I have not actually heard of this at all. Yes, I have just started to hear the rumblings of it. And there has been other issues with Taycan where like the heaters were all dying last winter. Although I'm not seeing, I think most of them have been replaced. I'm not seeing them come up now. 
Um, so it is something that I need to look into and should do a video on for sure. If you find anything, let's do a collab on it because I've done some stuff with Grid Connections. He's great. So if uh, if you find any info, let's at least do a podcast on it to start that conversation. And maybe some owners who are going through it can can reach out and tell us what's going on. Yeah, that's super important. I think it's one of the coolest things we can kind of provide here when you have even a small audience. Um, not that your audience is small, but you can really make waves and like help people with these kind of um, problems that, you know, maybe the company is aware of, but they're moving a little slow on. So um, did you have any other, anything else you wanted to bring up? Are you good? Anything on your mind? You're telling um, everybody? Oh, there's so much. I mean, we could really talk for like 10 hours and maybe we should just do a regular live stream thing because this has been really fun and it seems yeah, like the audience it. likes it but um yeah i'm i'm really excited for Cybertruck. i mean i urge the general tesla population you know there, there's two sides of the equation for me there's the investor side which i know nothing about you know i don't hold any automaker stock i don't know what that world is like i understand the internal urge to just hype everything and push it to the next level and, you know, of course say this is going to be the best thing that comes. But I really encourage everyone to just try and change their thinking slightly to just wait until things are delivered or, or about to be delivered. And we know rough specs before you get too excited about them, because I think it leads to mistrust in not only the information that they provide and share everywhere, but also just, you know, overhyping something that's not real. So I would say, um, you know, to try and think about the cars logically and, and their their capabilities as they're delivered. The Cybertruck, I'm so freaking pumped for. And, um, you know, there's so many innovations in that vehicle that unfortunately are being um, overshadowed by some of the missed uh, expectations from Tesla's original announcement in 2019. And I think we, at least I am, trying to just focus on what is the Cybertruck today? What does it do? And how is it better or worse than the vehicles on the road at the moment. And um, I, I can't tell you enough, Chris, I'm so excited to just take it off road, to take it on the racetrack, to take it in daily driving and do all the videos. So, and again, thanks for having me on the podcast. This was super fun. Great. Yeah, of course. No, I am also, I just like, I can't wait. I mean, it's a vehicle I like daily. I also have a lot of like work kind of stuff around here. I want to do, I want a freaking snowplow. Where's my snowplow? Hell Tesla. yeah. Well, you're going to need a range extender because you're going to get about four <laughs> miles of range. Well, I just want to plow. I just want to plow my driveway and my, we have some private roads over here, but like, why have they not talked about a snow plow? It's kind of like making me nervous, but you know what? If they don't, I will find someone around here to just freaking weld one on the front. Yeah. <laughs> we'll that's figure it out. Do it. Just leave it on all um, year round. <laughs> okay. I don't know about that. That's not a very good idea. Um, okay, cool. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you everyone for watching. I think everybody had a lot of fun. Um, we can work out, you know, if you want to do something, we'll talk later, but um, hope everybody has a good night and uh, make sure you subscribe to Kyle and check out his channels. All of the out of spec channels are on YouTube. He makes great content on lots of stuff. So thank you again so much, Kyle. Yep. Thank you. All right. Have a good night, everyone.